Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vish Want and Partha. We're back with our college football sprint with Zach Smith. It's everyone's favorite week this week, a little bit later this year. Um, but still a very, very interesting week, more so now for what's happening off of the field versus what's happening on the field. Before we get into that, let's first talk about Larry Johnson's coaching debut this past weekend. I see, Zach, you've got his his record down there at the, the bottom of your screen. Let's talk about the game and, and, and what you saw from Ohio State um, in this Michigan State week after after a week off. You know what? It was probably their most complete game they played all year. I mean, it was four quarters. I mean, they had obviously had their their downfalls. Harry Miller couldn't snap the ball, but I I talked about it on my show. There's a guy named Mike Pouncey who's been like an I don't know six time or eight time Pro Bowl center in the NFL that was a starting center at Florida after his brother left, his twin brother, and he had his first game specifically. But then this the whole season he struggled snapping the ball just because it's such a big adjustment. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about a young guy like Harry Miller who's the backup center. So not only did he not have spring and summer, but now he also isn't taking the majority of snaps at center in practice. Like it was. You hate you hate to see it. He really played horrible, but it's yeah. a tough adjustment for a young kid to make that switch. And I'll tell you, the the guy that w- the player of the game, in my opinion, was Justin Fields. Not he didn't throw the ball well. I think he had 199 yeah. yards passing. He missed a couple deep ball. Like his touchdown to Chris Olave was a poorly thrown ball. He didn't play outstanding, but what he did was he managed all the shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. He managed yeah. the snaps. He managed some bad exchanges in the backfield, and he was getting to second and four when it probably should have been second and twelve. And, and I don't know that people – that's where people don't appreciate JT Barrett enough is yeah, that was yeah. his, his MO was we were in second and five every single – every every series, yeah. right? And, and that's what Justin Fields did really well. And um, so I, I thought that was excellent. On top of the fact that not only did he do that, but he didn't have a quarterback coach or his head coach who was a quarterback coach. He was like yeah. flying rogue, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then I think just offensively, the other thing we saw was we should have a, a – uh, I guess a premier starting running back now. I mean, yeah. it, it's been splitting times, but I, I think on Saturday we saw Trey Sermon kind of distance, uh, create a gap between him and Master Teague. He, he had obviously had that one long touchdown run where Justin Fields was unbelievable running down the sideline to yeah. secure the final block yeah. to, to spring him. But it was it was really a really good game. And and what I think was most impressive, and a guy that gets the most shit on the coaching staff is Greg Sterawa, the O line coach, and he had those three young kids, Matt Jones. Uh, Max Ray and uh, the, the three young young linemen that had to step in for the COVID cancellations, they they graded out higher than any other O lineman. So kudos to him on a, on a job well done. I was really impressed with the offense and the defense. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's what stood out. I mean, I I think we all of us were in agreement that it was just a matter of time for Trey Sermon to get acclimated. We saw how good he was at Oklahoma, so we had yeah. we had tape. So that was great to see. But what stood out to me was. The defense was getting a lot of flack um, after the Indiana game, and it seemed like there were adjustments made across the board. Of course, I don't want to over overhype it. This is Michigan State, um, a team that struggles on offense um, generally, but this year specifically. But I thought it was it was outstanding. Um, and I also, I mean, we, I think we do need to highlight that play that Haskell Garrett made. That's an yeah, amazing yeah. play. That was and insane. 
And I think just looking at Haskell Garrett, you know, we all know what happened to him in the offseason getting shot. But then also, Zach, you know what he's gone through at Ohio State just as a player. He was one of those highly recruited guys who had trouble getting on the field. Um, this year, he's finally getting his shot. And he looks like one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country consistently, not just this game, but in every game this season. Yeah, he, he's he's been outstanding. Him and Toby, Tommy Togi, I have been outstanding. And um, it's just it's funny on, on a couple of levels. One, D tackle is almost like uh, interior offensive line where it takes two years, you know, to really yeah. get like Davon Hamilton was a great interior D lineman and he really didn't do much early in his career. And then he ended up being I mean, now he's one of the top graded rookies in the NFL this year. You know, that interior line position is just so hard for a young kid to play just because. Yeah. You know, you have to be a grown ass man in there. It's not like receiver where if you can run fast and kind of look pretty, you can you can get something done. Like you got to be a grown ass man. But and I don't know. I don't know the political correctness of this, but those two are also two Polynesian kids. And there's just something about these big Polynesian kids that they just they fuck people up, man. Like they, yeah. they it's like grown man strength, like at 1920. It's unbelievable. And I watched it. When Urban was at Utah, he had a number of, of big Polynesian kids that just just road graded people on, on a D line and an O line. And USC in their heyday had a bunch. And it's just, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how politically correct it is, but there's just something about a big Polynesian dude, nicest people in the world. But you put them on a football field, just nasty sons of bitches, man. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. man. Crazy. It was nice to see too after the Indiana game, Justin Fields using his feet a little bit more when yep. he was under pressure, and you know, remembering that he's, as you mentioned in that play, the fastest guy on the field at any given time. No doubt, there's no doubt, and I think you know, I think the other thing that is is of note, right? So there's obviously a market market improvement in the de- in the defense, and you know, you could point to a hundred different reasons, right? They had a COVID yeah. bye week, they addressed issues, had a little bit of different personnel. Some guys had were out because of COVID. Baron Browning slides into the middle linebacker spot and plays his best game as a Buckeye. Like several things happened, but I think one thing that's of note, and I'm not even saying this is the case, but there was a one voice on defense on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. Kerry Combs was the D coordinator and Greg Madison was not there. And it, it just seemed more succinct, succinct. You know, they, they seemed like they were, they were playing f- with more alignment and I'm not, I'm not blaming Madison or, or, or for that. I think the COVID bye week certainly helped a lot, but it was, it was nice to see kind of the unified front on defense and to yeah. see yeah. a four quarter game really. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, that was very impressive. I mean, I think, you know, uh, the Fields thing, I think more than anything, and I, I think you guys would agree with this, is he really showed that he's probably the best leader at the quarterback position in the country with how he handled the game and the adversity. The block set speaks for itself. But yeah. when people are making these Heisman evaluations and draft evaluations, I think he did himself a lot of favors in that immeasurable aspect of how do you handle adversity, like you said earlier. Zach, not having your head coach, yeah. And not having your head coach, not having a lot going, having a new center, how he handled that is is what stood out. And, yeah. and I agree with you fully there. Man, oh, there's no a- question. There's no question. He just the way the way he managed everything was just it was grown ass man. I mean, it was a pro. He was a pro on 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 Saturday and it showed. And that's that's what NFL guys, the ones that know, that's what they look for. How can a kid handle adversity? How can he handle bad snaps? How can he handle, you know, no coach? How does he de- like manage all those things, right? In the NFL, especially, you're a game manager. 
Yeah. Like there's Patrick Mahomes, who who is a, a guy that takes over games. But for the most part, they're game managers. Russell Wilson yeah. just kind of manages games, puts the ball where it needs to be. That was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady's entire careers. Just manage the game and, and be a coach on the field and get the ball where it needs to be on time. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And, and our boy Brady, uh, I mean, our, our our boy Baker is starting to figure that out as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's I just say that clip, Partha. You, you hear that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> V just shouted out Baker. Yeah, I think that's the first time I've ever heard him say something positive about Baker. Hey, the, the play, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the play, the the most impressive thing Baker Mayfield did was on, I think it was Rashard Higgins' touchdown. The slide? They did the, yeah, the red carpet celebration. Yeah. That slide was clean. That was insane. Yeah. Insane. Was that was the best play the made best, all day. One of the best moves I've seen, period. No one, doubt. One other thing about, about analyzing situations is that you're not always going to be right. Right. And oh, yeah. when you're wrong, the, the best thing to do is to own it um, versus to continue to dig your dig your grave. And I go the other way it. on it. I actually pretend that I had the other opinion the entire time. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, don't let the truth that? get in the way of a good story. Right. Just rewrite <laughs> yeah. history. That's that is it true. is. It's good to see, um, to your point, Zach, I don't think I've ever really thought about football in that way, right, as as managing the game. But, I mean, I think that's so similar to to my job, you know, being a CEO, is you're not expected to take over at any given point. That's not what you're hired for. You're hired to be able to manage all of the situations and make sure everybody right. else is in the place they need to be at. Right, that's and it. That's Yeah, it's a really nice analogy and a different way to think about quarterbacking than I think most people are exposed to no doubt and you watch some of the greatest quarterbacks and Peyton Manning's one of the best ones he had so much production just from checking a ball down to a running back where where quarterbacks just get so trigger happy to force throws that it's just like just manage the game and eat yards that's it just eat up yards if you have to punt you have to punt let no. a, let a, let a big time player make a play maybe you know make, make a guy miss and get 20 instead of eight like that's just that's the position that was always yeah. the issue with guys like Jay Cutler and Jeff George, right? Is that they're always trying to make the big play and they never just were willing to just take the easy play because they wanted to be the hero all the time. And that, that's it. And that's, that's what you see in Baker right now. Baker's growth is he, he's such kind of a shoot from the hip, like wild, wild West quarterback where he's trying to make big plays, flashy, th make throws. You're seeing him kind of come back down to earth and realize that he can, he can take those shots every now and then those Patrick Mahomes plays where you, you try it. But at the end of the day, just take what they give you and move the ball. Yep. Yeah. And coaching and system has a lot to do with his, a lot. his development. And Kevin Stefanski gets a lot of credit because he had a lot of fire coming in from Browns fans and everyone else about why we hired him. And he's, he's proven everybody wrong and that's gotta oh, be yeah. satisfying. No doubt. Now move, moving on to uh, an organizational culture that is not doing as well. Um, <laughs> we're into, we're into the game week now. Um, this is probably the most fascinating game week we've ever had on record because one, we're not even sure if there's going to be a game. Uh, Michigan seems to have some COVID issues. They didn't play last week's game. And this game seems like we, w we won't get an answer until later in this week, whether Michigan's playing or not. And look, I don't, I don't want to undermine this illness, this, this virus and what it is um, and the potential that Michigan might have real issues going on. But the thing that's worrisome and troublesome to me, and I think, is, is what should be troublesome is that they're not being forthright and honest 
with what's going on. They're not disclosing how many players have been test, nope. tested positive, who's how many coaches. They're not being forthright with anything. So that opens the door for all the criticism and the skepticism that you're hearing, not from only Ohio State fans, but you're hearing from national analysts as well. Um, so I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on what's going on and and how we should how this thing should play out. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you. I've been on your show. I've been on my show, bitching about it all year. It's just, it's absurd that that we're allowing teams to do this stuff. And I'm not saying that. I mean, for all we know, Michigan has 20 cases. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm not saying they're doing some. It's some farce or so. They're making it up, but it's just uncalled for that we can't know, right? Like, yeah. okay, you canceled a game. Why? Like, what? What's what's going on? Give us a status update. Like, you can't just cancel games. This is not. Like Pee Wee football, and you know your quarterback has a soccer game, and you can't make you can't play the game Saturday. Like this is big time college football with rules, regulations, stipulations. Like there is a threshold put in place by medical doctors that say that if you are under this threshold, you can safely play. If there's not, if you exceed it, it's unsafe. You shouldn't play. That's what the doctors said. So who, how the hell can Jim Harbaugh decide that they're not going to play on Saturday unless he tells people, well, we're not playing because we are trying to be safe. We exceeded the threshold. But I haven't heard one time this year where a team has exceeded the threshold in the Big Ten. It hasn't happened once. Just yeah. a bunch of schools canceling because they're, I, I guess, afraid that it's going to get worse. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's such an interesting situation. I think the rivalry adds to it tremendously, too, because it's it creates this doubt as to whether they're being honest or not, right? Which, you know, I think is, is a little bit fun to speculate on regardless. But um, what an interesting what an interesting atmosphere leading in. I remember you typically, you know, going down, um, whether it's like North High or, or somewhere in Columbus, anywhere near campus, the whole week of this game is, you know, chills everywhere you go. There's yeah. there's an energy about the place. And this year is such a it's such a weird one with, you know, just the question mark hanging in the air about whether the game will actually happen. And I think if it does happen, I, I think that. Ohio State as a team and as a fan base is, uh, you know, probably feeling pretty pissed off right now about all of the, you know, question marks around the game and probably going to come out with some intensity. And if it doesn't, then, you know, is Harbaugh even going to be around next year? Look, look, it's we we on this show, probably because all three of us are Ohio State fans. You know, when we criticize this program, it probably a lot of people probably take it with a grain of salt. But I've been surprised this year. A lot of Michigan fans have also started to see the holes in their system. And this COVID situation underlines one of the many reasons that Ohio State's program is where it's at and Michigan's program is where it's at right now. When Ohio State had this COVID situation happen, whether or not we liked the information that they were giving us, they were giving us constant information. They stayed on top of it. Gene Smith got in front of people, Ryan Day got in front of people, and they answered hard questions. Whether or not we like the answers, they still answered them. The right. fact that Harbaugh is unwilling to do the same as the highest paid college football coach in the nation, this is part of what your responsibility is. And then when you're losing games like you're losing them, you start asking the question, did you just not play Maryland because you didn't want to take a loss to Maryland? Right. Are you you know, and that's and and that's the issue here. Stand up as a program, stand up as a culture, 
and and identify who you are and what you stand for. And that's not happening at Michigan. And it's actually sad to see as Ohio State fans because we're used to, regardless of how much we hate them, we're used to respecting them and their program and what it represents. Yeah. And this fall from grace is embarrassing. It's it's the rivalry is diminishing, not because they can't win, but just because they, they're they're not handling themselves like a big time program. But I have a little live. It, it won't be live for your listeners, but it is live and recording breaking news. They Michigan just announced they canceled the game right now. Oh, my right God. now. Right now. Just announced popped up on my iPad as you were talking. V. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. See, and now you're open to all the questions. If you come out and say, look. We had a, a massive outbreak of 20 plus cases. You know, we'd be like, okay, well, that's understandable. But you haven't told us anything. So now it's like you canceled last week and you're canceling this week. <coughs> I'm seeing another article, by the way, that Harbaugh and Michigan are talking about a contract extension. That's And, and that came out yesterday. And it's like the, the, everything going on up there right now is just, it's mind blowing. Like, why are we working on a contract extension the week of the biggest, like the greatest rivalry in all of sports? Like that, that can wait till Monday, right? Yet, right. Because I mean, they're canceling it. Yeah. Right. That's it's what they, it is. They're they canceling the play. game. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's a, tra- thing, that's a travesty. Let, you know? let, let's talk about this though. Right. Now that we know that they canceled, let's, let's say that they're doing this. They're doing this on purpose. Right. Can you believe we got this live on air? That's, that's amazing crazy. that we captured that. That's Unbelievable, crazy. and it's gonna it's gonna put the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten's got a got a man up at this point uh, on two fronts, and, and Barry Alvarez, who should be the commissioner because he's yes. he's the acting commissioner. I mean, this guy's out here doing interviews, to, you know, pushing to make he's changes. Qualified. He's, he's qualified. doing everything. He should just be the commissioner. Just name him and get it over with. But they have a real decision to make. One, if Ohio State doesn't have a game Saturday, do they still put him in the Big Ten championship? Because now officially they don't qualify to to win the to play in the championship game. And two. The other thing they can do is break up the Maryland Rutgers game and let Ohio State play Maryland, let Rutgers play Nebraska because Nebraska's without a game. So they, there's ways they could get this a, a game in, right? Ohio State was supposed to play Maryland. Now both right. are eligible. Why not do some shuffling? Like you saw what the ACC did. What the ACC did was was wild. They just canceled the last week and said, listen, Notre Dame's already in. If Clemson wins this weekend, we're going to cancel their other games and they're just going to play I mean, for the title. And you're like, wait, what? You could do that? And look at look at what BYU did, even though they lost, yeah. stepping up to the table and playing Coastal Carolina to help boost their potential resume. Right. I mean, the the thing here that's 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 really bothersome about the Michigan thing is that it's a bad step by them for so many different reasons, right? Because your program is already struggling with branding issues. Now you you do this and you don't play a game. Versus just taking your medicine and potentially taking that 30-point, 40-point L and at least showing up to work. What kind of signal does this send to your players, to, to everybody within the program that you're not, you're not willing to, to adjust? Because if they were to come out with a minimum roster, because college football programs, Ohio State, we played last week with, what, 20-some players without 20-some players? I don't know how many missed the game. But you're able to do that as a college football program. I mean, you're you're able to. We watch we watch what Ohio State did Saturday. We watch what Minnesota did when they played Purdue. You're able to play if you, that, that's why they set the threshold. Unless it wipes out your quarterback room and all quarterbacks have it, like you can play the game. 
right? You you can find a way, and uh, it's just this the is Broncos, the Broncos did it with no quarterbacks, right? Yeah, they, yeah. yeah that's for sure. Yeah, they found they a guy literally off the street. Yeah, that's yeah. just it's criminal. But you, it goes to your point. I think it's what has happened in 2020 has has really widened the gap between the Big Ten and the Southern two conferences because you're looking at it and it's like Michigan didn't want to play. The governor didn't want to play. The AD didn't want to play. Harbaugh really didn't say anything publicly about wanting to play. Penn State had their mouth shut, didn't say a word. Same thing with the Pennsylvania, everyone. It's like just the the culture in the Midwest, you really had Nebraska and Ohio State fighting to play and everyone else just kind of sitting there like, eh, we're going to sit this one out. We don't We don't really care as much as these other schools. It's interesting, then, too, because, I mean, what does this mean? Like, I, I'm curious what the fan base for Michigan's reaction is going to be because, you know, if I, if Ohio State had the year that Michigan had, I think we would all be furious and very vocal about how how frustrating that would be. And I, I know there's Michigan fans out there that are really disappointed with what's going on, but, I mean, when does that turn into, you know, a, a huge call to change the way things are going? And, I guess the surprise for me too is how is this acceptable by any means for a program with that kind of history? This uh, right, right. It's it's just, I mean, it's just it, it goes goes to expectation, right? I mean, the fans obviously want Michigan to be Alabama. That's what they want, yeah. and they're livid that they can't. To be honest, the me the message boards chatter I saw on Twitter was they were hoping this happened. They were like, we can't afford another forty point loss, like. They should just cancel the game and move on. But they also want to get rid of Harbaugh. And now, now Michigan's basically conceding the fact that what they got going on with Jim Harbaugh is what they want. They're mm -hmm. going to extend the man's contract. Why and why? Why would this possibly be what somebody wants? Is there any reason you can think of, Zach? Um, so I, I listened to Colin. I think it was Colin Cowherd. This is months ago, and he did a whole segment on is Jim Harbaugh not living up to expectations, or is our expectation of Michigan too high? Yeah. And it's like, when has Michigan been better than they've been in Harbaugh's tenure? Like, granted, he's gotten smoked by Ohio State every time. Other than that, yeah. like, Michigan's never really been a national contender. Bo Schembechler didn't go win a bunch of national titles. You know what I mean? Like, they never really were Woody Hayes in Ohio State. People just kind of viewed it as that because of the rivalry. It's and like then, and then Lloyd, Lloyd Carr coming in and dominating uh, John Cooper for. Yeah, right. But but you're talking about a game and you're talking yeah. about a regional landscape yeah. like they're outside of they're not on the, the they're not on par with Ohio State. How much worse is Michigan now than under Lloyd Carr? I mean, they, they had the one half national championship, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, it's they're pretty yeah. much where they've at the peak of where they've always been. Right. Other exactly. than losing to Ohio State every time they play. That's a good point. And I will say this too, right? Ohio State from my childhood, you know, I grew up under the, I think it was the Cooper era prior yeah. to Trestle. I remember the first, uh, first quarterback I remember is Belisari, Steve Belisari. Oh yeah. Way back. We lost all the time, right? So part of it too is, has, has Ohio State taken a step up from where they historically have been to be a just, Unbelievable. I mean, it, it feels like we're in the playoffs almost every year. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been it started ridiculous. with Trestle, obviously winning the national championship and then playing for two others. And yeah. then Urban took it to another level. Now it looks like Ryan's taking it to another level. So it's been enhancement after enhancement in Columbus. And Michigan really had a, a, a I guess, a, a plateau at best, if you want to say that. And Harbaugh was supposed to be that guy that, that brought enhancement, and he didn't. He just kind of yeah. kept them 
up to their their ceiling as opposed yes. to breaking the ceiling and finding a new one. This, yeah, I was gonna My, say the style of football in Ohio yeah. has changed yeah. drastically over drastically. the last years. Yeah, even the last twenty. And I think yeah. there's there's also a pretty interesting case to be made as to Ohio State's evolution into uh, really a pro style football program and the implications of that on everybody around them because you know in my upbringing even the trestle championship that was big 10 football that we won with that was good defense and running the ball up the middle and not having a quarterback who was ecstatic you yeah know? for sure yeah and i think also i mean it's it's important to underline this and I might get some flack for this but there is a real difference or a real animosity between ohio state culture and michigan culture ohio state culture Big Ten culture and Michigan culture. Michigan kind of has this elitist, we're better than you mentality that they're the Harvard of the Midwest, that they're, they, they can stick their no, thumb, noses down at the, the rest of the Big Ten. And I think that that mentality is, is not a winning mentality because when things don't go well like this, it makes it harder for you to actually acknowledge that it's you to look in the mirror and say, there's something wrong with Michigan. There's something wrong with our program. There's something wrong with our coach. And Harbaugh seems to be a reflection of that kind of stereotype that the rest, it's not just us at Ohio state, but the rest of the big 10 has in terms of how they view Michigan and how they view the culture of their program and, and their university. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's a, it's a culture issue and it's, it's, it's not just Michigan. It's 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 a lot of these schools up up here in the Midwest. It is. And it's it's sad to watch where the Big Tens went since, you know, the 90s to now. It's just been a complete I don't want to say shift in power, but but it's like Thanos is down south just getting infinity stones left and right. And we're just sitting here like, well, I hope he doesn't get the sixth one. Like, yeah. Good Lord, man, do something. I mean, even adding, you, you had Notre Dame and Cincinnati right here and you go and add Rutgers in Maryland. Like, come on. You know, that was about the TV, TV deals, but at the same time, you know, and I mean, who, who's to say, obviously from a sports fans perspective, you know, we we're, we're looking at it through a lens, like when it comes to finances and academic prowess, maybe that was a great call, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not here to evaluate that, but I know this much for the college football conference. The SEC doesn't give a shit if, if Texas A&M sucks in school, they yeah. added them because they're a powerhouse program. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they didn't care. Like TV markets, academics. No, no, no. We don't care about that. You guys are a good program. Let's come join us. And the thing, the thing about it is that's what all these conferences are about. They just want to maintain the optics yeah. because I know the reason, you know, I've, I've spoken to people at the big 10 conference. The reason they added Rutgers and Maryland was to add the regional TV deals to the big 10 network. Yeah. That is why, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, and obviously there are other elements maybe Notre Dame did, wanted too much and, wanted too much power or whatever it was. But I think, you know, even a program like Cincinnati or Pittsburgh, like those are more real football his historic programs that are in the footprint that I think could have been added, you know? Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. They weren't, they were not worried about the footprint or the, or the strength of the conference athletically when they did that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is this is wild. It's just setting in that we won't have this game this year. We've been spending most of the year anticipating it. Um, man, what do we do this weekend? 
I have no idea. I got a hole in my wall in the basement. I might. <laughs> like, it, it, it feels like off season, right? Like you want to do some projects around the house. Like I don't know. I don't even know what to talk about on my show anymore. It's like uh, there's no good games. So what do you want to talk about? Like story time. And for the record, Zach did not put the hole in his wall in the basement as a result of this news. I did not. No. <laughs> not <laughs> much before. <laughs> <laughs> but I might blame it. You know, it's just like we talked about earlier. My, that story might change. Like the Michigan game was canceled and I kicked a hole in the wall. <laughs> Look, they've got to put, they've got, the conference knows what's best for them. Ohio State fans, this is the last thing I think before we move on to other parts of this, this hard to talk about uh, schedule. But I think Ohio State fans should rest assured that the conference um, and the teams, I think most of the teams in the conference acknowledge that Ohio State is the best team in the conference. Um, and that we'll figure something out to either put them in the Big Ten championship game or to figure out an alternate this week. I think we should all focus on the confidence in that and not jump to the 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 worst case scenario too quickly here. That's that's my last thing that that I'll say on it. I agree. I think Ohio State's in the playoffs regardless. I mean, whatever you want to do, you say they're not Big Ten champs. That's fine. Let's just get to the Final Four and go play two games, see who's the best team in the country. Like, enough and enough is enough. This season is a train wreck. Just yeah. pick the pick the Final Four. Let's go play a semifinal and a final and crown a champion and move it on. Keep moving on to next year. Yeah. This for me. So if we're not Big Ten champs, does that mean we can't play in the playoff? Or are those different? No, I mean, the good. The only good thing is the playoffs c- completely without rules. I mean, they... they no, we have to have six games, though. Well, you might have to, right? You have to have six games, but but they could. They're they're a playoff committee. They could change that tonight. You know what I mean? It's not like the Big Ten dealing with presidents. They could just change their mind. The Michigan State game, I think that was you know four games would have been a stretch, right? But another statement win from Ohio State and showing to to the point of what we were saying earlier about the complete four full four quarters, showing proficiency and improvement on both sides of the ball. I think it's the type of matchup that they want in the playoffs, and they have a good enough reason now with Michigan canceling this to be able to try and make something happen. Yep, we're good enough, and we make everybody money. So yeah. you, have, you have no reason not to put them. Well, and it's what everyone wants, right? TVs, everyone. They want Ohio State, Notre Dame, and then Alabama, Clemson. That's what they want. Like Texas A&M, Clemson just doesn't sound sexy. No, yeah. not, it's not going to work. You know, But you know, there are some other stories we do need to talk about. That was a big blow. I think for all of us, but um, let's talk about the rest of the college football landscape um, and try to pick our energy back up somehow. <laughs> somehow here, Partha, I might need one of those concoctions you have uh, <laughs> right now. But let, let, let it, let's talk about the BYU Coastal Carolina game. I thought I actually watched that game, and I thought it was a a very fun game to watch. It came down to the very final play of the game. Um, what did you see in that game? Is Coastal Carolina a good football team, Zach? Yeah, they're a good team. I mean, they're not neither of those teams is going to play with the four teams we just talked about, but it was it was awesome. And it was yeah. it was an awesome game and for, you know, like you said, kudos to BYU and Coastal for just kind of saying screw it, man, let's do it. Like let's go yeah. play football. And yeah. they got it scheduled and Coastal Carolina, they I mean, they came to win. They came to yeah. make a make a statement and they did. And it it, it it brings me to kind of one, one of my thoughts I've been having all year is why can't we do this shit all the time? Like yeah. just get halfway through the year and be like, these two teams are undefeated. Go play right yeah, now. They're not, they're not in major conferences. Go play. Right. If you guys want to get into the playoff, here's your chance. Absolutely. And, that, and that's why you have to respect what BYU did. And the other takeaway that I have from it, Zach, you've been, 
you've been hyping up the quarterback from BYU quite a bit. And this was my first chance to actually watch him for four quarters. And that kid is impressive, man. You yeah, might he's, see he's really good. You might see one, two, and three go go Lawrence uh, Fields and the kid from BYU. Yeah, Zach Wilson. Yep. Zach I mean, he, he's he's really good. And it, what you don't know is it, it, it's hard to project those those Carson Wentz's of the world, right? Because they're playing against inferior talent. And that doesn't mean that they are inferior talent, but they don't have to make throws in as tight of windows. Like those windows don't close as fast. So there's there's some things that are kind of unknown, but the NFL is all about the unknown. They'll take a receiver that runs a 4-2-8, even though he stinks. You know what I mean? They'll take Jamarcus Russell, who is a terrible ter- terrible quarterback, because he can throw at 80 yards. Like yeah. They're all about like the unknown. So this kid's going to go really high, and there's going to be a lot of mystique, or, mystique around him. But I love him. I think he's a really, really good player, and he's fun to watch. If, yeah, if, well, if Buffalo would have said that about Josh Allen, would they be where they're at right now? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I mean – to to the point of you know obscure quarterbacks it wasn't it it was drew Locke right that came out of was it duke missouri missouri right and then there was a a, the duke quarterback that year i can't remember the name he's uh he's he's at uh he's at uh he's in with the giants i can't think went over jones yeah and it's interesting to see these guys who you know come out of these programs that don't have a reputation for really being that significant, but they stand out because you know compared to everyone else on the field, they're you know unbelievably good, and um, they they you know tend to make the transition pretty smoothly, which is an interesting thing compared to what has happened historically with a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's just it, those those offseason workouts are huge when it comes time for NFL or NFL draft and quarterbacks. I mean, the film is critical, obviously, but they there's a lot of things they do in the NFL, a lot of throws they try to make and want their quarterbacks to be able to make that just aren't really in college very often. And so you'll see, I remember watching Cardale Jones, um, Dwayne Haskins, all these guys pro days, and it's like they're they're vastly different from what they did in college because they want to see, can they make these throws on time? Can they drop it in a bucket when a receiver's only halfway there? Like some of these things like timing and and certain throw angles that they do in the NFL, they just you just don't know how, how strong a kid's arm is. Can he rip that, you know, 22-yard comeback from the far hash? Can he do it? Like they, they need to figure that out. And so a lot of it is off-season, just going through a pro-day workout, a one-on-one workout, and then getting them on the board, seeing how they learn. Can they Can they – grasp your offense right it's just there's so much that goes into it that it's it's interesting to see where you know where these guys come from one question i had for you zach is this is something that kind of got under my skin is like when we watched as fans real college football fans we watched deshaun watson for three years at clemson we knew he was he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country and should have been a top five pick. How does a guy like that drop all the way to 12 when everyone's objectively kind well, of the film is there? There's Everything. one common thing, right? One common theme in the NFL drafted. That is the teams that pick first are the worst organizations, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you never see a bad pick in the last third of the draft, rarely ever, right? Because yeah. those are the teams that are operating very, very efficiently. And yeah. you wonder why these teams like the Jets and and really the Browns forever, like why are they always a top five pick? It's because they they constantly screw up the top five picks and they don't get any better. And, yeah. and, and so it's more just a, a testament to the state of the organizations and who drafts first. That's yeah. why when Michael Thomas went late, I was like, this is the best thing that could ever happen to this kid. Because yeah. he's not going to go to Cleveland and just career wasted, right? Yeah, right. 
And so it's 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 a luxury of falling in the draft. Really, you could fall to a better team, a better organization that knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. If you're going to go high, you know, you don't want to be one of those positions that is dependent on the organization. Like quarterback is a risky pick to go high with because that's totally de dependent on the receivers, the line you have, oh, yeah. how, how they run their offense. But um, one of my friends, um, Bradley Chubb, he went up high. I think he was number two that year. And he has just been thriving in Denver, yeah. but entirely because of his role. He's in a position yeah. where he gets to really dictate his own success in a more meaningful way than than uh, a quarterback. And he's yeah, got Von Miller on the other side taking up yeah, a that lot helps. of helps. <laughs> yeah, but DN's a great position. You can go anywhere. All you got to yeah. do is beat the tackle. It yeah. doesn't matter where you go. Just beat the tackle, yeah. right? Yeah. You're not relying on much at all unless they do something stupid like Mufia inside. But but that's the, positionally, it's it's critical. You look at Joey Bosa, not that the Chargers are a bad organization, but you know he goes to, wherever he went. He was going to be Joey Bosa getting sacks. You know what I mean? It's just it's just the nature of the positions. Yeah. Yeah, quarterback, You the organization is so much more important. Oh, and receiver, the quarterback is so much more important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is true. Now, uh, let's move on a little bit. Let's, let's talk again about a story that's been a good story in this crazy season, which is what's happening at Indiana. What happened in the, the, the moment we all saw was – the post game when when Tom Allen's doing the interview and all his players are coming up and and congratulating him and celebrating him. Two things: one is it shows you how much culture matters and how it doesn't matter what program you are. Like Indiana's not a traditional football program, but the right leader can come in and get the best out of those guys. And how much, how valuable that is, even at the elite programs, to make sure that that's that's the first thing you work on, um, and th that's the first part of it. What what stands out to you? I don't know if you've had any connectivity to him before he got this job, or because I knew nothing about him before this job. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, so I, I don't know him personally, but Kevin Wilson, did, Kevin Wilson hired him as his D coordinator, and then when Kevin got ousted for some nonsense trainer mishap. Um, they, they announced Tom Allen was going to be the next head coach and Kevin, Kevin loved him. Kevin talked about him. Like he was going to be, you know, a great head coach. That's why he brought him in. Um, and I think the, the only question here is like, whoever leaves Indiana for a better job, like it's yeah. been decades since anyone is even like Kevin Wilson experienced success there. They were competitive, but yeah. he wasn't being talked about for, for a, another head coaching position. And so that's the reality of it. You're looking around right now at the landscape, like who would get Texas if Tom Herman steps down? Who would get Michigan if Jim Harbaugh gets fired? It, Tom Allen's never mentioned, and there's no there's no reason for it. Like you watch what he the product he puts on the field. You, like you said, you see the culture he's built. He he should be candidate number one on most people's list, but he's not. I think it's just because it's Indiana. It's like people don't ever think about Indiana, especially because you look at Michigan and you look at Texas. What's the issue? It's not talent. It's okay. cultural. Yeah. So why would you not, when you see a guy like this, who's building a real culture at a program like IU, you know, and I don't, I don't want to speak for him and say he's going to leave. I don't, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to leave these guys this year or next year. Um, but down the line, why wouldn't you hire him as, as Michigan or Texas? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing about Indiana, and this is always something I've observed there is you know, people genuinely stay there once they, yeah. once they get into the state they like really like it so yeah. i think there's there's some elements of the fan base that 
you know, kind of makes it its own void. But uh, I think that, you know, Tom Allen was really, really impressive to me this whole season. I What I like the most about him is his energy. But I would love to see Indiana actually turn into a really meaningful that, team. Yeah. We need somebody to. <laughs> we that's need what, somebody to at this point. That's what I, I root for. And that's a big reason why when um, when Kelly left Cincinnati, I was a little – I was never going to like that man again because of how he handled it saying, I'm going to build a winner here, negotiating the new facility that Cincinnati can be the next big thing. And then overnight he takes the Notre Dame job. I, that didn't vibe with me. Right. And I agree with you part is you, if you build something, people will come look at Clemson. Clemson it, it hasn't, wasn't a tradition rich superpower, but. And they're in the yeah, middle of nowhere. They're not, they're not even like close to anything. Yep. Yep. So it can be done. And it, it's fascinating to see, see that happen, you know, and I, I would love to see Indiana do that as well. It's just, you, you, when you look at these programs, you think, all right, well, why is a program going to become the next whatever Clemson? Right. Yeah. And, and you really look at it and it's like, can Indiana do that? Probably not. I mean, yeah. one, the academic standards are so high. That, which I get is partially a cop out, but at the same time, those kids get into Indiana. They got to stay in Indiana. Like you can't fail out, right? It's not yeah. about. I'm sure they can get players in. Shit, I've seen their basketball team. They, 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 they certainly don't aren't all 4.4 students, right? Yeah. I mean, you, so it's a matter of can they stay in the program and in the school for four years? And Indiana is a really high academic institution, and the recruiting base is just average. And they're recruiting against a lot of like like uh, opponents. They're recruiting against Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, all these schools. When you looked at Clemson's kind of come up, it's definitely a country school in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. But it's like an hour and fifteen minutes from Georgia, like Atlanta, like the most yeah. like talent rich areas. And and it's beautiful. The weather's beautiful. The girls are beautiful. Like there's that was a sleeping giant in a sense, right? Yeah. And so you you look at schools like wh who is that next sleeping giant? And 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 it's tough to see a Midwest team that's not already viewed with high respect, like Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Who else could it be, right? Cincinnati or IU, it looks like right now. Maybe Cincinnati. I, I don't think it's ever going to happen at Indiana outside of being, you know, a solid football team, like a really solid football team. Like an Iowa-Wisconsin type, right? Yeah, right. Iowa-Wisconsin, Northwestern every third year. Like, that's going to be Indiana, right? Like, they'll, they'll compete. They'll probably go to a Big Ten championship game. Shit, they might even win one. But they're never going to be a powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't see that either. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't honestly I don't see Tom Allen being there for more than a couple of years. Somebody yeah. who's smart will come get him. Um, and speaking of other assistants that uh I think uh you also know, uh former Buckeye Marcus Marcus Freeman mm -hmm. is starting to get some recognition for for what he's done. I mean, Cincinnati is paying him co measure it to what, what they think of him, right, as an assistant. But we we've been talking about assistance under the radar. I wanted to see what your thoughts on him as a profile for one of these, these big job job openings might be. It's going to be tough to jump from a coordinator at Cincinnati to a, to a, a big job, but he's doing, I mean, he's, he's just definitely a star in the industry. I mean, he always has been, he's always been a high energy dude. That's just a great dude, good football coach that has that charisma, that swagger. I've, I've always said, especially on defense, you need a coordinator that can kind of vibe with the defense. You know what I mean? Have that, have that swagger about him or her, yeah. I guess, nowadays. Um, 
uh, but he 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 has it. You know, he's has that it factor that that I think players follow, and he he yeah. has since I met him. I think he was at Purdue as a position coach with Daryl Hazel, and he used to come back to to Columbus as a former Buckeye, and I got to know him decently. And he always had he always struck me as, as kind of had that aura about him, where where he just you could tell he was going to be the real deal in coaching, and he's doing it now. So I think he's he's probably going to have to take a small job or kind of wait. See if Luke takes a job and he could take over Cincinnati. I think that's kind of his career path right now. Yeah. Um, and that could change in five years. Cincinnati could be a big thing five years from now, and he could be a, one of the hottest names in the country. Yeah. See, it's yeah. interesting, you know, but I do think that that's what these programs need to do is dig deeper and look for potential stars. Yeah. And he might be one. Uh, for sure. Um, moving on to, to Alabama LSU. Um, LSU very famously last year won it. One at Alabama, and uh, the coach had some uh, some interesting comments saying that they were about to own that team and own that field moving forward. And I think Nick Saban, Nick Saban probably replayed that clip every day for his players this offseason, and they came out and, and they played accordingly, smashing LSU from beginning to end. Wanted to get your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I mean that was that was an I mean LSU had it coming, right? Yeah. The minute the minute you watched LSU start the season, you were like, oh boy, circle that one because Nick Saban is really gonna enjoy that one. But I did see I, I don't know if you saw this, I saw something wild that just most probably the most 2020 stat that I've seen was the cheapest ticket sold on StubHub to the Alabama LSU game was $75, right? That was the cheapest ticket sold to go watch the game. The Coastal Carolina BYU game, the cheapest ticket sold on StubHub was $1,300. Wow. Talk about 2020. Like, it is, whatever that is, a 1,000% cheaper to watch Alabama LSU than it is to watch Coastal Carolina BYU. Question, (laughs) how many tickets were being sold? Yeah, that's the issue, right? That had to do with part of the reason why but um i don't have that an answer is, for that's that. a fun one though well, that's I wild, guess, right yeah that i would is. guess that there were probably less at that byu coastal carolina if the prices were so high but no doubt well yeah, you know down in alabama they don't even know they don't know about covid anymore they don't care <laughs> in alabama it's probably packed stadiums i mean they're probably you know coughing on each other for fun that's how i feel when my friends i, I have a lot of friends in atlanta right from my time living there and they'll they'll you know post videos or whatever on instagram it's like life is very normal there they're not even acknowledging it so strange yeah and 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 another the the thing that stood out was obviously Devontae smith's performance oh my gosh and the thing is he's been doing it all year and i think this this is something i wanted to talk to you about zach is how much more it's difficult it's getting for non-qbs and non-running backs to even be candidates for the Heisman Trophy. I feel like the way that kid's been playing, he deserves at least consideration and probably an invite uh, to New York as a non-QB, but he's not going to get it probably. No. Um, wh- what what needs to change for for that to happen more where we see, you know, defensive players and non-RB and QBs start getting some recognition for this, for this award? You know, I think if you have a kid that has just a ridiculous year, they'll get like the chase young treatment where it's like, yeah, you deserve to go. You're really, really good, but you're never going to win it. Like we're just going to let you, let you go on a free trip and experience, you know, New York city or whatever. So I, I, nothing, nothing's going to change. I don't know what has to change, but I know nothing's going to change because it's just the way that the Heisman operates and they don't really operate. they, They don't, I think the biggest issue is they don't have, um, an outline for what is a Heisman Trophy winner. 
Is it the best player in the country? Is it the most valuable player in the country? Is it like, the, like what is the criteria? And it's like, um, it's just, it's the Heisman. That's the yeah. answer. And it's like, yeah. well, that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> but um, yeah, he does. He absolutely deserves to be, to be in consideration, especially this year. When yeah. you look at guys like Justin Fields, only going to have six games and he's going to, you know, Devontae Smith's going to play 10 or 11 or whatever they're going to play. Yeah. He definitely deserves uh, in the conversation. And I, I really think at some point, there needs to be a new award created, right? Yeah, that is nationally respected and recognized, but by people like college football coaches, former coaches, maybe get the AP out of here. They're all a bunch of idiots. The reporters don't deserve a vote. They don't know shit about football. Let let people that know football just say this kid will vote, right? Almost like a playoff committee. Let 10 former coaches vote and say, this is the best football player, most impactful football player in the country. It could be a guard. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who cares what it is? This kid is the best player in the country. That's what there needs to be a new award. But I mean, to your point, kind of like the Grammys. Right. No real criteria. Right. It's like, yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you guys still watch the Grammys, but if I do, it's maybe for a performance. I could give a shit less who wins an award. Like that doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. And it's a lot like the Heisman. Yeah. Same thing with the Heisman. I remember, you know, I mean. We all know of Archie Griffin, right? Winning it twice. And that was a running back winning two years. You know, that's not not possible today. Oh, it's not. And it, it, it's not possible that anyone's going to win it twice again. I mean, you, you've seen years where guys win it and the next year they have a better year and they, they don't win it. And it's like, well, what, Mark, what are we? Mark Jackson was the, is the, yeah. is the exa- interesting example as well as Tim Tebow. You could, you yeah. could have made arguments for both of those guys winning it twice, but yeah. no, no. They, but it's just, it is what it is. I, I, I mean, it's, it's all a publicity and political deal now. Um, you watch it with all the awards. I mean, I saw, and not to name names, I know that there was, there's been award winners where places where I was, where I said, if this kid's the best whatever in the country, this country is having a very down year, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, it, and I've seen it on the other end when Dwayne Haskins doesn't win the Heisman and he had the best year of any quarterback in the country. It's like, you see it on both sides. You're like, this is all bullshit. Like, you know, it's yeah. all bullshit. It's all an ESPN money grab and it's all just for show. So with, with, um this year do you think that it's going to go to mac jones do you think that there's a reason for them to to pick somebody else that maybe is not necessarily entirely football related i mean if you if you want to go on the criteria they go on which is just you know probably the best player let's put it this way the best quarterback on the best team who put up gaudy numbers it's mac jones and so he'll probably win it if i had to put money on it which i i don't think i'll put money on it but if i did it would be on mac jones to win it but there's other guys that deserve consideration what justin yeah. fields has done in five games is is exceptional we talked about zach wilson you talked about Devonte smith i mean there's a handful of other guys you can't tell me kyle pitts the tight end at florida shouldn't be in the conversation the son yeah. of gun has like 15 catches or I think it's like 22 catches and nine touchdowns. It's like something like, or 14 touchdowns. It's something like he, he scores a touchdown every time he touches the ball. Like why is this kid not being talked about? Right. But you know, so I think Mac Jones wins it right now, unless something happens, obviously Bama losing to uh, Florida might be, might be an issue. And then Justin Fields, you know, blows out somebody, you know, who knows, but statistically, I think that's the guy. Is there, um, you know, sometimes in like the NBA for MVP, it's kind of the same conundrum where a lot of the times the best player doesn't win, but the player who has almost the least productive teammates and so has to carry the biggest load is typically who wins. Uh, is there anybody like that in college football that you think is kind of a, a sleeper pick that is carrying like an inordinate amount of load for their team comparatively? Um, I mean, Mac Jones obviously is putting up crazy numbers, but 
Alabama's yeah, also crushing it. And they have a great. Yeah, record. I mean, Alabama has. You look at. The, I looked at the uh, Pro Football Focus, whatever it is, the the midseason draft projection. Alabama has nine of the top one hundred draftable players in this draft. Clemson, Ohio State have six. Notre Dame has two. So it's like Mac Jones is playing with an NFL receiver core, an NFL running back, an NFL offensive line. Just silly, silly yeah. talent. Hey, what's you know going on? I mean? Um, but as far as as far as a guy that's doing more with less, honestly, Kyle Trask at Florida probably gets yeah. my vote. Yeah. I mean, he has Kadarius Tony in the slot, who's a dynamic athlete. Kyle Pitts, I talked about, who's the best tight end in college football. But outside of that, he has some just kind of run of the mill outside receivers. Uh, he doesn't have a run game worth a shit at all, and he's putting up great numbers and they're winning. Uh, had they not lost to Texas A and M, I think we'd really be talking about Kyle Trask as a Heisman, maybe front runner. Yeah, you know, pending the Bama game, but he's he's the guy I think is doing the most with the little. If that that will be in the conversation. Yeah, so we talked about how the media was you know kind of seeding Michigan canceling this game last week on the podcast. Mm -hmm. How they had planted, you know, hey, we have one case, we might end up canceling game in the future. Right. Is there any of that kind of placement that happens early from a narrative standpoint on the media side for Heisman candidates? Have you observed oh, any, yeah. any of those trends? Yeah, I mean it, it. It it starts early, and it's and the schools play part of it. Part in it too. I mean, there's schools that go on full blown Heisman campaigns and send spend yeah. tens of thousands of dollars on commercials and graphics and highlights. And I mean, it, it starts early, and it it all starts with your year before. It's just like recruiting, right? It all starts with your year before, and then how big the hype machine grows leading into the season. And this season it was all about two guys, right? Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And you see how an outstanding year by a guy at Alabama can change everything because. Yeah. It, if you, I don't have the Heisman odds in front of me, but I know that it was Trevor Lawrence one, Justin Fields one B, and I then have him in front of me. By the way, so it's minus one ten on Mac Jones. Kyle yeah. Trask is minus one ten. Trevor Lawrence is plus fourteen hundred. Wow. Yeah, Tre Trevor's not going to win it. No. Um, if Kyle, that's dumb money to put money on Kyle Trask at minus one ten. That's just absurd. He's not. I, I doubt he wins it, and it's not not a lot of value. But but preseason, those odds, Kyle Trask wouldn't even been on the list. If it was, it would have been like plus twenty thousand, right? Yeah. Mag yeah. Jones would have been probably plus four thousand. Yeah. You know, because he finished strong, but it was just kind of to his backup. He yeah. wasn't a real guy, you know. So yeah. the hype machine pumped out Trevor and Justin, and it was a two man race. You know two team race to win it all. And then all of a sudden this little old team in Alabama decided they wanted to play football too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's move on a little bit and talk about the other big story that seems like a constant big story. Whenever a job opening happens, uh, urban Meyer in Texas, they had some video of him and they located the fact that he was in a hotel room near Austin or it's all wild, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. These internet detectives are wild. They're, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think uh, you put out a very interesting tweet that I saw, Zach, about what does it say oh. about the program and about the culture and what's going on at Texas that they're openly interviewing and trying to draw Urban Meyer while they still have um, a coach in place with a contract with a $25 million buyout. So since you posted that tweet out, I'm going to ask you, what does it say, Zach? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I think you guys know me well enough, and anyone that has ever heard me speak knows me well enough to know that I'm not a Tom Herman apologist by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. But I'm also very real on my opinions, right? I've yeah. said he's a great football mind, just a reckless person, right? And, and this whole situation, I think, was a complete disservice to Tom Herman and unfair. 
Never mind the fact that he he should have won more games, right? For them to actively court Urban Meyer while they have an active and employed head coach. And now that they didn't get Urban, Urban publicly turned it down, basically. They didn't get Urban. They're probably going to just ride Tom Herman out, right? Bring him back for another year. The amount of damage they just did to his ability to turn this thing around is immense and probably unrecoverable because what do you do? Think about it. You, Everyone here was 18 at one point. What do you do if you're in your dorm room and you're seeing this stuff that your school is actively going after another head coach? How do you go into the, pro, the facility the next day and look your head coach with respect and like you're going to follow him? The people that his bosses are trying to find a replacement, yeah. right? And then how is a recruit going to pick? I'm going to go to Texas because I, I believe in Tom Herman when his own athletic department does it. Yeah, like yeah. it's just it's absurd and they 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 went about it all the wrong way. If they want to get rid of him, get rid of him. Or yeah. don't don't put him behind the eight ball even further and ex and then expect him to win. Good lord, that's just yeah. dumb, right? Well, yeah. I think we'll see like we talked about a few episodes ago, a little bit more of those five-star recruits from Texas coming up to Ohio. Well, is you know, they're, they're all there's no there, there's no reason to be to believe in this program and in this culture if this is the type of stuff. That's what they don't this is what's wrong with programs like Texas and why, despite the fact that they are, they should be good every year. They never get over the hump because outside of that year, they won with Vince young. Texas is always like 10 and two, 10 and three type team nine. Yeah. You know, we, we want to throw Michigan in that category as well, by the way, yeah, yeah, the, Texas is the Michigan of the Southwest. That's what they are. I mean, you know, you know, I have a theory on this, right? And, I think Ohio State fans should again celebrate Urban Meyer for being loyal to the program because it's people that know know that when Tom Herman took the job at Texas, he tried to poach people from Ohio State. He's always been trying to kind of take away from Ohio State, take the from the graphic designers all down. He he kind of tried to take what we had at Ohio State and have it Ohio State. And essentially steal it and build it in Texas. And I think Urban Meyer kind of even entertaining this because he's a smart guy. Oh, yeah. This has a huge impact for both, as you said, part of the Ohio State and Texas. I just think that Urban is, is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. And I think as Ohio State fans, we should we should give him a round of applause like he did with leaving us with Ryan Day. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I, I think this was ultimately I don't I, I've said you know, for over a year now, I don't think Urban gets back in coaching. If he does, I think it's five years from now, not right now. Um, but I think this was more him kind of flexing at Tom Herman and saying, hey, bitch, I can take your fucking job if I want to. So shut your mouth kind yeah. of deal. Like, you put it a lot better than I did. I, I yeah. talked around it. You spoke it to it directly. <laughs> <laughs> so is, I mean, that, it, is that on purpose, potentially? That I think this one was. Not, I don't think yeah. Urban would ever do that if it wasn't for all the the bad blood and the things that Tom Herman did to urban and, 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 you know, he, he didn't give a shit about me, but also to me, just the, the stuff that Tom did that directly impacted urban's personal life, let alone professional career. I think it was more like, all right, buddy, you want to play? Watch this. Yeah. I'm going to, while you're the head coach, get your school to reach out to me, offer me contract after contract. Then I'm going to turn it down to remind you that I can have what you have at any point in time. Don't forget it. Yep, and I'm going to ruin your program around the yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to light that bitch on fire and leave. <laughs> I love it, man. I love I love Urban for 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 the way he he maneuvers and operates. He's just such a smart guy. Yeah, he is. Um, I think that's. I mean, I think 
that that pretty much puts a puts a button on 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 that topic but i think it opens up the overall conversation of what's happening in coaching is they're just not as much talent anymore because you have programs like potentially you have the USC job opening, Penn state potentially opening, uh, Michigan potentially opening, Texas potentially opening. I, I don't know if I'm missing any in that, in that, but these are blue blood programs that you're looking around and you're saying, who's going to take this job? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just the, the industry has become overly, influenced by agents and politics and and agencies and search firms and college football has lost its amateurism and we already know it has on the field but it's yeah. lost its amateurism and just kind of fraternity that it used to have and i think i've told the story before urban meyer got the bowling green job because the only booster at bowling green played high school quarterback for my grandfather and when they wanted a coach he called my grandfather and said who should we hire like that's how it used to work right athletic department personnel reached out to coaches they trusted and people they trusted and asked advice and then made a decision now these schools spend millions for a search firm to tell them who the best guy is it's like what the hell does some nerd in new york city know who the best football coach is for usc he does it they don't know that they're going to just they have all these networks and connections with agencies and agents and coaches. And then it becomes like, like the professional league. Right. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's criminal what's happened, but it is what it is. I mean, it's a professional league now that used to be an amateur league. Well, and yeah. you also mentioned something that I think, you know, can often be overlooked, but the kind of more boutique and community oriented nature of going through things the old fashioned way. While there is the argument that numbers can improve how team works, the money ball argument, if you will, there's also a, a, a cultural element that can't be overlooked. And a lot of teams today, I think, are, were focusing on, you know, trying to make things match on paper, like Harbaugh in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And these things don't work sometimes. Yeah, that's correct. And it's, it's got to be a balance. I, I hate when I hear people think that they have to be on one side or another. I'm not anti-analytics by any means. I don't think either yeah. of you guys are. But it's like the way that they build this thing up, either you're one or the extreme. It's like the nature of our country. You're, you're on the extreme one side or the other, you know, yeah. and it can't be like, why can't we have a balanced approach where we still have football guys and football people here, but we also have an analytics department that, that does some of this, 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 this stuff that advances the, the analytics and the, the science of the sport as well. And I think the programs that excel are the, the programs that are, are combining those two, Two methods and you're seeing no better example of that with barry and stefanski in cleveland right now you know yeah, no um, doubt no doubt and, and there's there uh, i think about it all the time there's there was no analytic in the world that said to hire ryan day none yeah. like no one any company any agency any advisement firm whatever you want to call it all of them would have said absolutely not that is a, a high risk decision but you know what gene smith had the nuts the brass nuts to say no you know what this is our guy yeah. And it just doesn't exist in college athletics anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. so rare. He's the last yeah. of a dying breed. But can we also <laughs> say that there's very few programs in which people are built, you know, culture and systems are built within a program where everybody can step up. As we saw this mm -hmm. past weekend against Michigan State, seeing a new head coach step in there and seeing the team still be able to execute. I mean, that in itself, it, it indicates a level of, awareness from a cultural process and system standpoint that is extremely difficult for anybody to achieve 
in general in sports or business. And so, you know, just goes to show again, the caliber of urban Meyer when he is coaching. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yep. I mean, I think, uh, I think you guys, you guys, you covered all, all bases there. Um, before we get out of here, we have to circle back to this topic. This is a huge deal. Um, for the first time ever, the game is canceled. And let's just get everyone's kind of final thoughts here on this because it came it came in live. It came in hot. We talked about it earlier. We've had a chance to kind of digest it. What are your guys' kind of takeaways overall from, from this significant of a thing happening historically? Well, I mean, I, you hate to say it, but I, I feel like this is another blow to the legacy of what is the greatest rivalry in all of sport because it really was and has been for a long time. I mean, going back to the 10-year war all the way up until the or the Urban Meyer-Jim Jim Harbaugh battles, it's really been the greatest rivalry that transcended college football and was really the greatest singular sporting event rival rivalry in any sport, right? Yeah. And And what you're watching is blow after blow, right? Michigan can't win a game ever, right? They're just getting blown out. Even when they have a good team, they, their, their players don't respect the rivalry. They're, they're, there always was a level of respect between the two programs, never disrespect. And you, what you've seen under Jim Harbaugh is Michigan players feel the need to run their mouth, even though they can't win. Like the, 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 the rivalry is losing its luster and, and this is the greatest blow to it. Right. Yeah. Some anonymously, vaguely kind of covidly cancellation. And it's like now we're not going to play it like this is more important than your game last weekend. Do we know that? Like this is bigger than that. And yeah. it's like Michigan doesn't understand. Harbaugh doesn't understand shit. He's trying to figure out how many extra peanuts he can get next year instead of worrying about the game. It's just a huge blow to the rivalry. And if this continues for another five, 10 years, that rivalry is not going to be the greatest rivalry in all of sport. That's what yeah. happens. Right. Just a shame. Yeah. It's 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 very very sad, you know, for both both programs and both fan bases because this is something that no matter how good each team is, both both fan bases show up and show out um, in their school spirit and in in the rivalry aspect of the game, and it's just they're doing a disservice to everybody, including their own fans. This isn't just about Ohio State and our fans. It's just sad you have generational Michigan fans. That's one thing that I will say about their fan base. The parents, the kids, the grandkids, it's a family thing just like it is at Ohio State. And there aren't too many programs in the country that you can say that about. And to cancel under these circumstances without being out front and not even feeling like you need you need to give us all the courtesy of being forthright is just very, very troubling. That's, that's all up. I, I have to say on it. Yeah. And you know, my business partner went there. He went to Michigan. So he's, he's a huge fan. And I mean, I like to talk trash to him, but when we're winning, I feel bad when we've won every single year, because you know, I, it's like, I'll let you get some footing so you can actually have something to debate with me. So it's just not me being a dick. Right. But <laughs> I just, he doesn't even want to talk about the team anymore. He's yeah. so disappointed in what it's become. And that's, yeah, I want people who are fans of Michigan to have something to be proud of so that we can get back to the arguing and the debates that we have all season and we can get back to the trash talk. And, you know, right now it's just, there's nothing to say. I mean, it's, it, it feels like it's, it's disappointing. It feels like an act of cowardice. And, you know, the reason it feels that way is to the point we made earlier, the, transparency isn't there there's no honesty there's no real like 
fighting spirit or desire to, you know, still keep that caliber of the rivalry from from both sides. And I think Ohio State does a great job in terms of talking about it. The fan base, the pro athletes that that went to Ohio State, I've I've seen tweets all like since Saturday, really, with you know the X's for the M's and all of that stuff. And you love to see that. And then you know when when team calls off the game, it doesn't really explain why. It's just okay. It's, it, I I just think about it like a high school rivalry, right? Like you're a point guard on a basketball team and the crosstown rival has another good point guard. You guys play each other year in, year out, right? And then the other point guard from crosstown tears his ACL. Like that doesn't make you happy, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not, you hate Michigan. You want them to lose all the time. Yeah. But watching their program crumble and cripple is just like, it's, it's sad. Yeah. And you're like, I don't really want this to happen. I want you guys to be strong and I want this to be a rivalry. Yeah. And, and it's just disappointing. One of my favorite favorite moments of all time was when Gardner went down, right? The quarterback at Michigan and how the Ohio oh, yeah. State team responded to that. Yeah. That underlines what this thing is about. This isn't about just a football game. This is about the culture. This is about being competitive, but being respectful still of one another. You talk all your smack leading up to the game. You might have a couple fights in the game, but it's all built in a mutual respect right. for the fact that you both are trying to pursue greatness yeah. um, and you want it to be competitive. And it's just, you know, all that's, we can do at this point is pray on it. You know, that's the beauty of a rivalry, right? Is that it pushes both people to be the best version of themselves. And at the end of the day, it's built on mutual respect because you wouldn't choose to be rivals with somebody you didn't see as an equal. And I think to the point of Zach, you know, it's hard to, hard to see them as that much of a rival when, the program is falling apart like this. There's no doubt. So yes, that's, that's it uh, for our college sports sprint, college football sprint on pilot boys for this week. We end on a disappointed note, but right. we're optimistic. Somber, somber mood today, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> we're optimistic for Ohio State season, obviously, and for all the exciting college football that is yet to come in the playoffs. And uh, we hope for, Michigan to get their shit together. Hopefully, we're talking about Ohio and Ohio State uh, Northwestern Big Ten championship game. Let's put our energy toward that, guys. Hope so. Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Hey guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a Pilot Boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes a Lasso Sock 2.0, the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture-wicking materials and built-in strike padding, so every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. It's time to hit some news and notes. You ready, Partha? I'm so ready. So let's start this thing off with something that's happening in my uh, hometown right now. <laughs> we have a crazy amount of backlash with these new stay-at-home orders that mayor garcetti has put in place and the it's funny because um people are calling him emperor garcetti 
<laughs> and there's a lot of pushback because, you know, people don't want to stay at home essentially because it's been such a long time that there's been a level of like stress right out here. And now the LA sheriff has said he actually won't enforce these new stay at home orders. So, I mean, this is getting crazy, V, and we're going into <laughs> another COVID wave. What do you think about that? That's crazy. The, the, the former police commissioner and the, the police are beefing uh, publicly. How, what does that say if even our uh, city governments can't, can't get along and yeah. be on the same page? And then also I think it's, it's a double-edged sword because I feel like if everybody would communicate the reasons why they're doing certain things or why they need, need it to be done, I think people would be able to grasp this a lot more right? It's like, okay, you want us to stay at home. And then you look at how they enforce certain aspects of it. It's like, okay, you guys didn't need to go that, that far. You guys aren't, aren't, um, you told me earlier that you guys aren't like, you need to minimize the amount that you walk outside or something. Yeah. They said no unnecessary walking. I mean, it's it's crazy, dude. <laughs> That's a lot. How does it feel to live in a police state, man? That's legitimately like, that's what I've been saying, you know, and this was, it's interesting, right? Because this is where you see like the bad part of going too far left. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. And we I lived mean, through the bad part of going too far right. The, you know? the, the I think the overall, the overall problem right now is that we're facing opposite effects right it's like yeah. there's on one hand on one polar it's like nothing matters you don't even need to wear a mask like this is really what they are intentionally in public outings not wearing masks you have that on the far right side right. so it's almost like how do you balance that do you balance that by going to the extreme left do you have to go to the extreme left and that's what ha what the problem with polarization generally is, and I think that that segues into something you were telling me about um, something you saw or read about Matthew McConaughey and his his positions on uh, kind of being in the middle. Yeah, dude. I mean, I I thought so. He came out with this um, uh, interview where he basically, you know, called his. Uh, his peers on the far left a little bit arrogant and demeaning to um, the opposite side. But then he also said his peers on the right were also, you know, guilty of their own, um, you know, their own things. And it was just interesting to see somebody in Hollywood where it is so left speak out and admonish both sides. And I think the centrality and like the, the fact that he pointed out wrong on both sides is something I feel like we try to do a lot on this podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like he said, um, they, there's a, he, 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 he said it very well. And like, uh, he said, there's like always that one, almost like there's that one extra sentence that they add to the end of the statement. Now that just pisses so many people off. Yeah that it's unnecessary and it pisses off intentionally pisses off 50% of people. And it's like, it's not even smart politics to do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's, what's crazy about both sides. They are like 
completely, it's like a civil war. This electoral college has made it a civil war, basically, where the Republicans have decided we will say whatever we need to say to get the South and to get this vote. And that is driven by the electoral college. And then you have the Dems that just kind of go after the big, like, okay, we're going to get California and we're going to get New York and we're going to get enough of the Midwest where we're going to be able to carry the election, you know? Yeah. But that's really what, what these parties are, are running on, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, but it's hard. It's easy to say, okay, let's all be neutral. It's easy for Matthew McConaughey to say that. Why? Because he comes from a position of privilege. You know, um, it's, it's the, the step that I think everybody kind of needs to take and is ask, why is it that we're so divided? Right. And then actually come to a solution there. Actually, instead of just saying, Hey, we all need to get along. How do we make, how do we all get along? Getting along might be, hey, maybe we need to put some more money into the schools and inner city schools like we do in suburban schools. What are the actual fixes to make sure that different populations of people don't have different versions of America that they're actually living that makes them divided and change? Like, why is it that some of these rural white people still hold antiquated views on race and race relations and why is that still prevalent this far down like those are the questions that we need those are the real problems right yeah the problems that i've always felt like that about business too you know Mm -hmm. i feel like people don't ask the right questions a lot of the time i feel like everyone's so focused on fitting within the structure that already exists right which whether it's in politics or whether it's in business it's dated no matter what. And it's, yep. it's not going to be progressive because that's where everybody is. And so to really learn how to make decisions on your own without really falling into, um, you know, the mess of which side you're in or the structure of everything, you know, I appreciate that. And I think, um, yeah, that was, that was my takeaway from uh, McConaughey, but yeah. You know, and I think you probably have found this too, is like, it's so funny, like, because both of us, I think overall are fairly centrist. And because of that, it almost becomes a fun exercise to challenge our friends on both sides on their thinking, right? And and you realize, like, a lot of my friends on the left will be like, you're a closet moderate Republican. I was like, I don't need, I'm not. I'm I'm neither, but then I'll talk to somebody who's on the right, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're a you're a liberal, you know, you're a, a closet. You're they call it you're like a a a, a capitalist communist." I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what it, what trains these people's minds to immediately if you hold certain positions, immediately put you into a category. That's what yeah. we need to dig into, and it's a a lot of it is just. It is the the repetition of messaging. It's the repetition of the news. It's intentional that each of these networks now are taking a, a firm position that they're not going out to, out of. It's like that's we're 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 in the divided states of America right now. I do believe that in a lot of powerful places, right? You know, some of these places used to be in step. The news used to at least be like 
generally, yeah, even if we're leaning a little bit left or right, we're American first and we're going to support our government. Our media is going to support. Think about how people in Europe and the rest of the world, when you travel outside of the world, how much damage this type of news and this type of media is doing to the opinion of the rest of the world of us. You know what right, I mean? Right. Um, it's just, it's just, I don't know. What is the solution and the fix to that? Yeah. What well, and the question is, do we even want to fix that as a population? You know, do people yeah. care enough? Right. Cause I mean, we, we definitely focus on a lot of other things. Yeah, we do. I mean, we, we have to decide, I think it goes back to the original point. We have to decide what we're willing to fix and not fix. Like yeah. there are a lot of things in our system. For example, it doesn't make sense that the state of California, which has how many people you should, you probably know this. I have, I have no idea. But a lot, see. a lot of people, 30, I'd say 38 million. I'm guessing it is 39 million. Wow. I guess that was a pretty good guess. Yeah, it's at 39.5. So you have that state and then you have the state of Wyoming who has 500,000 right. people and yet they have the same number of state senators in government. That's right. not, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, are we willing to fix the constitution? Are we willing to fix um, and take bold steps and not just live in these like, I don't know what it is. America loves branding and slogans so much that it's like people buy into things like America first defund. It's like the headlines themselves, like are like so dogmatic, like either you fit right. in or you don't like, you can't be fluid anymore. Right. And that's, that's, that's the thing. Are we going to, are we going to really, really address like what's wrong with America? Because there are things wrong with America right yeah. now. You know, so. I, you know, I agree with your premise that you need to always look at ways to iterate and improve a system. Yes. Um, my care. So I'll push back on the Senate thing. Don't you feel that it's important to have a system like that despite population inequality to preserve minority opinions? Well, the, the you can preserve minority opinions without giving them equal opinions, right? Like it should be based, what you are is a representative, like either whether you're a state representative or a senator. It but doesn't even make intent for that to be in the House. What do you right? say? For the House to represent, like the essentially like which states are bigger, have louder voices in the House and the Senate's powers are essentially well, a safeguard to prevent something crazy from happening that would only benefit a few states. Like it's it's supposed to be equal, right? Like minority in, in terms of having a minority voice, we're still a country in which majority rules. Like that's how the presidency won. That's how every race is won. Essentially, the majority. That's how bills are passed. It's through majorities, right? And if California, first of all, has represents a a larger piece of the pie of people of human beings. And, and it should be captured. It should be captured a little bit. But I think that more. it is. And you can still house, have a right? rubber, You can still have a. You can still have two senator senators from Wyoming. But why shouldn't there be four senators from the state of California? Right. Well, You're I, still think, I think it's just because you you need some way that 
at least half of the states or more benefit from whatever legislation passes, right? I think that's the intentionality is that if you have a setup where there's equal representatives from everywhere, that no matter what happens, it benefits the majority of people. So but if you're if you're a senator from Wyoming, right, and that's yeah. your perspective, you've never left Wyoming, and you don't have a a, a grasp of what because it is two completely different Americas. You've traveled to these places. I've traveled to these places. Of, but of the what, point is, it it doesn't matter, right? Because it might not be what's best for the country from from a perspective, but it's what. It's the voices to, of the country It's like representative democracy. Yeah, it is representative, right? And and that's it would be one thing to say, oh, don't have any senators from Wyoming. But to to not have it be based, you know, it would make it equal to have it still based on population if one place represents so many different people than another place and so many different schools of thought, it actually makes it better because also, if you have if four senators from California, that makes it equal. I think that makes it equally representative versus unequally, right? Everyone starts with two, but you have large states. Texas would also bet Texas. See, it would it would also the create some balance because Texas would also gain as a result of this. But but now think about. Think about what it was before, though. I, I think the states were actually more in the Articles of Confederation. The states were basically individual countries in terms of how they were structured, right? They so, still are. Right. So this was essentially how do you compromise and put together a structure that has, you know, the population benefits you're talking about, which would have been in the House. But at the same time, you know, every new state coming in knows that you know, their country has an equal voice in terms of being able to decide. You know what I mean? I think that I understand what you're saying. If you're looking at things as truly just one group of people, but it's like if you break up the groups of people into smaller tribes, then the argument can go the other way. Yeah, I guess mine isn't a tech is technical of yeah. a argument. It's more of a philosophical thing, which yeah. is, I think that, you know, what our, but it is still based on the spirit of what America is supposed to be, yeah. right? It's supposed to be a, a true representation of the people, right? And a true representation of the people means giving more people more voices, Yeah, in my true. opinion. You know, especially because you know that there's a way different type of culture that somebody in California needs to manage versus a number of different groups versus someone from the state of Wyoming. Right. You know, if they if they were to make it now, it would one hundred percent be a vote by app. I believe yeah. that fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the U.S. was a startup, what if what if they just got rid of the capital and everybody just worked from their state? Nobody what do you mean in D.C. anymore? Like work from home? Yeah, they zoomed the the Congress all <laughs> in session on Zoom. <laughs> I don't know what would change. Um, they, they, I don't All think right. let's let's move this thing forward. Um, one exciting piece of news that I saw: Hawaii is offering free round trips to remote workers who want to live there temporarily. So, for anybody who listens to this podcast, 
if you have a remote gig, apply to this. It's this program and the, the application date is open until December 15th and it's called Movers and Shakers, but it's Shakas. Like, I, I guess it's a Hawaiian word. Um, but yeah, they're picking 50 people and they're just going to fly you to Hawaii for a month and you just spend a month there. And the, the, yeah, the program pays you, it says. So, I mean, it sounds pretty came, good. I just came up with an idea. We what? should uh, We should apply. Yeah. And say that we're going to cover, do media coverage and interview all the people that they hire over there. Uh, <laughs> so if you're listening, this might this might be the origin point of how the Pilot Boys got to Hawaii. Oh my gosh. I mean, look. I think we the, should. We should do it. We should just do it just to do it. Yeah. Just apply to apply. <laughs> think that's, that's, think about it. You get. It's smart though on both getting into the detail of it, of course. Think what you read and we what we discussed coming into this was why would they do this? Basically yeah. they're giving people a free trip to Hawaii, but they're specifically targeting people with jobs. Yeah. With disposable income. So if it's yep. a they're gonna probably pick pick people who have, you know, higher end salaries. Yeah, right? and I'm on the application right now and they want um social media channels too. So I think they're looking for influencer types to post about it, shoot photos, make people want to move there. It's a good oh my, move. It is. I think if we got our application to the right person, it would get approved too. We just yeah. have to decide if it's only 30 days. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good. You know, if yeah. I have to cover rent in LA and stay in Hawaii and pay all those hotel bills, I'm going to drown. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll have to figure something out. I'll just out. vomit looking at that. Maybe we can negotiate. Maybe we can. Maybe we can negotiate. Uh, uh, because we're media. Maybe we can negotiate. Some yeah, rent. some rent. It, yeah, it's, it's funny because that's like that's the brown in me, right? It's yeah. always. I'm it's too always much money. Can't spend money. It's too much money. It, it's funny. Sometimes I wonder if that's a disservice to us. You like life. deprive yourself of so much shit. Yeah. For like no you, reason. You, the first thing you think about when it comes to any spending is how much does it cost? It's in our yeah. nature. You're just, you're just, and you're overwhelmed and you're yeah. overwhelmed. And it's like, it doesn't matter how much money you may have. <laughs> you don't, nothing becomes relative anymore. A dollar is still a dollar. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and five dollars doesn't, the relativity doesn't change as your yeah. increases. You yeah. Know it, I mean? it actually goes the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Now it's like much, much harder to like but spend a dollar. All those people are going to spend and being in Hawaii, we know how expensive it is out there. All those people are going to spend all their money in Hawaii during a pandemic. And it's, it's great. It's smart. It's brilliant. This is yeah. how we wish that states would think is if you're proactive and don't just get trapped in what the constitution said when they wrote it. <laughs> That's 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 innovative. Be innovative. Figure yeah. out a way to sustain yourself as a state without yeah. without just saying, okay, we need um government money or we need, you know, the more the most independent states, uh that, that's that's the way we hope they would operate, right? Make money. You know, what's interesting about this to me too is that if you think about like how present people are much more effective in business, this to me 
feels like the people in Hawaii who are running whatever division of their government this is are very, very present. And maybe it's because of the environment, maybe it's the weather, maybe it's, you know, just the energy over there. But I mean, when you're when a problem comes your way, if you like react to it, like almost everybody in the US does in mainland and you don't just take a time to pause and just try and solve it, then that's the difference between what you're talking about, what we're seeing here with everyone complaining and Hawaii, who's like, hey, we actually have like the least cases of every state. Plus, we have beautiful beaches and we'll pay for you to come out here. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty compelling and think about it think about so well and you know the other part of this is is it's uh you know people are going through uh covid uh covid depression yeah and this is a great way to you know sunshine i know hawaii would change anyone's mood you yeah. know so that's it's it's brilliant man it's brilliant and one of the questions is even how long would you plan to stay in hawaii so i'm sure they're prioritizing people that say more than a year yeah yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, you can you can relocate. That's the thing also about this remote work. You know, there are, we've talked about whether it, it it decreases efficiency. Yeah. But what I'm hoping it could do is also if, you know, you hope this is the optimistic viewpoint is that hopefully more people now can gain employment. Right. Yeah. As a result of that inefficiency, you need to hire more people. Um, and, and more people because of the, the cost now for a company to employ someone is essentially a laptop and some cybersecurity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. True. You know, so it's, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So in other news, um, articles of impeachment were filed against Ohio governor, Mike DeWine claiming abuse of power during the pandemic. So this is the other end of the spectrum from Hawaii's response. <laughs> What do you think about this, V? Is it is it that bad? I mean, it sounds a lot worse here. The thing that's crazy, and I, I hate to 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 jump on my state a little bit, but you're from here and you know what it's like. Ohio's a crazy place when it comes to politics, man. It's one of the craziest places <laughs> I've ever seen. This guy is a Republican, and the Republicans are the loudest voices <laughs> against him. You know, they want to impeach him. They say, and then the pe people on the left don't like him either, you know? And it's like, I, I just can't believe that during a pandemic, this is what they're prioritizing is impeaching the governor. Um, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's so weird because they don't even say, okay, we're going to enforce the rules. <laughs> they don't, nobody wants to enforce the rules. Like one person setting them, then you have a group of people that, are disagreeing with them, but I think Ohio just, man, I, I love living. I love being from here, but there's a reason why I love living outside of here at times. And that's because it is such a divisive place. You, you're in the urban center of any city. You're okay. But you know, this from being in Columbus, you get to Delaware, or even if you get to certain suburbs in Columbus, the mentality is completely different. Mm -hmm than it is in like an east side suburb, a west side suburb versus an east side suburb. Mm -hmm. The same in Cleveland. If Fan of our content, side, help us know, continue creating by supporting us on the Pilot Boys Podcast like Patreon. West side Donations start at just one dollar. And there are some cool perks for higher level donations. Most of the minorities live. You know? Wow, um, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. Ohio's just a, and then you get into rural places. It's like it's it's that polarization that's now national has been here forever for a long time. You know, wow. but it's just never been this like combative. Like usually, yeah. the governor, who if it's Republican or Democrat, they're usually pretty centrist. But now this polarization that we have now with is uh, has made a, a very crazy, crazy, crazy place. I'll tell you, man, growing up, it was like I, I felt like the Ohio State flags mattered way more for people than, you know, what party you were. Yeah. And it's almost I don't know. Is it still like that in Columbus? It is, but it's fake now, you know. And that's, that's Columbus, you know, and, and to be honest about Ohio and Ohio state is I think that we still, I mean, we're kind of, we still need to reconcile how to kind of create a, create a world where we all get along. Right. Right. Um, and I think Ohio state is a microcosm because there are so many people who are Ohio state fans, so unique that aren't didn't go to Ohio state don't fully represent the university. Right. Right. And so, and some of those people are in rural places and their views are not in line with even what Ohio state's views are as an institution or what it hopes to, but they do. It's like the United flag of football. It's like all things are good. It's not even the flag of Ohio state's all things are good around Ohio state football. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and then the, the 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 deeper question then you have to ask is, you know, ninety some percent of the players that some of these people who have they don't even understand their own racism sometimes. I'm I'm talking specifically of people who hold racial stereotypes. They're okay cheering with these guys when they play football, mm-hmm. but then off the field, it's not it's not okay. I want to hear what your problems are and I, I I want to figure this out together. It's I'm over here and you're over here. And it's so weird how we can get get together around something as as simple as football, but can't get it get get it together as just human beings and, and just say, Okay, well, we're different, but let's figure this thing out. Yeah. Yeah. So true, man. So true. Well, hopefully yeah, getting- this this gets a little cleaned up and uh, the government gets their act together and starts doing some, some good things for the state. Yeah. I mean, we have an election election coming up. He just got, he just got elected. So he's got a couple of years left. Yeah. I think. So, I mean, hopefully we get it together as a state at the city level, at the state level, at the federal level. Yeah. So on to some other news, uh, Actress formerly known as Ellen Page is now Elliot Page. V, I know um, you always love stories like this. Uh, do you want to comment? My general position on all things like this is I don't know why it's even made. It's made a bit something that's not a big deal is being made a big deal. I feel about it too. If she, if she wants to go by Elliot or Ellen, that's none of our business. If that's what makes her happy, you know, and content. And it's not like she's a successful actor or he is, is it, you know, whatever they want to be identified. What's what does it matter to us? 
Yeah, <laughs> you I, know, also when, like, when, I, just, I just couldn't care less. Like, he's a good actor. Okay. Yeah. I, I still have a tremendous amount of respect. You know what I mean? Like, cool. But why I is it a story? Yeah. I wasn't really caring. It's like, uh, you know, I heard this from, I've heard this from a lot of parents, right? They say, yeah that you know when you're because all kids have great imaginations right they have yeah. imaginary friends and all kinds of stuff and they say that that it can change how your child approaches life if you whether you encourage the belief in that mm, interesting versus say oh that's not true you know what i mean so that's interesting you know i think the truth is that we all have a reality that we have to live within to be okay, right? Yeah. So long as you're not, that doesn't imp impede and harm anyone else, really harm them. You know, I understand it might make someone with rudimentary views squirmish maybe because they're not, it's not something that they want to accept or ready to accept, but it's not your business how this person decides to accept themselves. You yeah. know what I mean? As long as they're not breaking any laws or doing anything illegal, like, why do we why do we make these things a big deal? I feel that way about um and I understand the importance of people coming out by the way, but it's just kind of on more of a comedic side it's just, it's just like I, I don't care what you do in your private life like I don't need to know if you're straight or not like I, I don't just I don't do it in your personal do what you do in your personal yeah. life in your personal life and but I think there's also this this uh, it's just it's just so complicated and there's so many layers to it and it's just like if everyone just said i don't give a fuck this world will be a lot better place yeah it's like just be nice to me i'll be nice to you yeah Does that sound like a deal cool yeah yeah it's that that simple everybody it's that simple it's, it's that simple, simple. That. it's that simple um the final piece of news this is i think the coolest thing i've read about in the last couple years Jupiter and Saturn are coming within 0.1 degrees of each other, forming the first visible double planet in 800 years, which is sick. And you can actually see it with the naked eye. And what's even crazier is the date is none other than the winter solstice, December 21st, 2020. And that just takes the inner child in me. And it, it just that is so poetic two planets aligning on the winter solstice for the first time in 800 years. I mean, that sounds incredible. Hey, maybe we can unite as a people around the United, United uh, planets. Yeah, That's, seriously. That could be a very good sign. You know, I yeah. think there is a uh, hope, you know, I think coming at the end of a year like this, seeing something like that is cool. And we all should appreciate these things, like not get to the point where we don't appreciate the beautiful things that we see on, as as a result of being able to live on a planet and live in this world right yeah. it's like and and that's 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 crazy like i can't i hope they don't hit you know um <laughs> ever but i think it's also it's <laughs> that, that that would suck um, but it's uh it's amazing what are your thoughts on it i'm just stoked i think i'm going to actually go out of my way to go see it for real you know you what's know? you know what's guaranteed to happen in the state of california though what is edible sales are going to go up like 
tenfold and uh <laughs> hallucinogenics are as well because everyone sure. everyone's gonna make it an experience yeah for sure i definitely want to actually go and go somewhere where it'd be dark and actually see it for real yeah that'd be cool yeah and find the darkest place to go yeah i might you know have you been to joshua tree no i haven't it's pretty cool over there it's, it gets really crazy like reddish like crazy tones at the sunset so everything looks like mars kind of that's cool yeah gotta check that out yeah all right man well that was news and notes for this week exciting week oh yeah we forgot to talk about we forgot to talk about uh your boy um your your favorite your favorite people to talk about uh logan logan jake paul and floyd mayweather yeah so i'm actually excited as hell to see this i think floyd is going to you know be really dominant as he is one of the greatest fighters to have ever lived <laughs> but i highly respect logan paul getting into a ring and being willing to take those punches well look i mean people who don't understand this don't it's crazy because I'm talking to people who older people who don't even know who Logan Paul is. <laughs> and then um and then other, you know, people who are who are like on the other side of the spectrum who don't really know who Floyd Mayweather is, you know. <laughs> and and people don't realize that's what this is. This is capitalism. This is why Floyd Mayweather makes as much money as he does. He understands the entertainment element of this. I mean I believe Logan and Logan Paul has like uh, 28 million YouTube subscribers, right? Wow. I didn't know it was that many. It's crazy. Something crazy like that. And they also, and Floyd knows that there are enough people who believe or at least want to see. There are people who actually believe Logan Paul is going to win this fight because they don't really know the sport of boxing they don't know what it takes they just say okay he has a 50 pound weight advantage on this guy in every video i see he's knocking someone out so he's gonna he's gonna if he just lands one punch floyd i was like he's not gonna land one punch that's that's kind of the the thing here yeah but from a marketing box office standpoint you sell what people want to watch yeah. you know and, well, and I'll say, I mean, if Pacquiao couldn't land a punch, you know, Pacquiao. if he couldn't land one, he's fast, man. He, he's not going to land anything. You know, he'll, he'll make it like in the McGregor fight. Something that people don't realize is they're like, oh, McGregor was competitive in the first few rounds. Floyd knew what he was selling. He made it look like he was landing because the way Floyd's defense is like, if you don't really know the how to score points in boxing. Uh -huh. You'll think just by virtue of how many times people are swinging and connecting to his gloves, that that's a point that they're landing, but he's blocking like 98% of those from real boxers. The thing that Logan Paul doesn't know how to do, he doesn't really know how to box. He's going to get some training, but he's, he's better than Nate Robinson, obviously jake paul showed that um but this is going to be fun and it's a spectacle that people are going to engage in social media on that's going to create awareness for floyd create new yeah. fans for him and there's going to be money and also how they structured 
the um, whoever's negotiating this and doing this deal is really smart because they actually structured the pay-per-view. Normally, Floyd's pay-per-views had gone up to $100. They're saying for the first million people, it's only $24.99, right? So even if that's all he gets for an exhibition fight against a guy that he doesn't even really need to face, but the world wants to see, $25 million? And it's probably he's probably taking 80 to 90% to just make this thing happen you know but it's gonna be you know it's gonna be far more people than that that want to watch everyone's gonna watch and you know what's funny because a lot of people are like even are saying that i don't get why he's fighting logan paul why because jake paul jake paul just did the last one and yeah yeah, they're like he's the fighter though i was like no they're both fighters and i was like floyd knows that logan's following is a little bit bigger than uh is that do you think that's what it is I think it's part of it. I think I think this deal was a negotiation before Jake. Logan's uh, following is interesting. It's it, it was interesting to see him make the pivot into the podcast. Yeah, what is his brand? You know his brand better than is it like a Jack? Is it like kind of like Jackass? I could I can tell you this. When in real life, he is very intelligent. I, you, you have to be i know he's selling something right? yeah so when he does his content it's like hanging out with two completely different people and he he at least back back when you know i i hung out with him he would flip back and forth so quickly he was just so good at being able to create those moments that he knew he needed he knew which shots he needed to put together right and i mean that that was really interesting because it, it was just like watching somebody figure out how to create viral content. Yeah. And then I think after that, I think he realized probably, you know, it's cool to get a lot of views, but I want to be more authentic, you know? Look, a lot of what he does, like I, I started watching a couple of his videos after we talked about him recently. Right. Cause I never had tapped. I kind of generally knew who he was. But I never tapped into like his content or who anything like that. I just knew surface surface level. I knew he got he had some big controversy where he was video t- something in Japan where he, mm-hmm. I, I heard about that. But then I, I watched the content. I was like, this guy's playing a role. Yeah, and he's very smart because there's he knows what moves the needle on the internet. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like I, I was like on one of the episodes, he had one of his um his friends finally meet his like favorite porn star, right? A lot of people would mm-hmm. say that that's taboo. Well, I was like, that's what Logan does is he's looking at this thing ruthlessly from a content standpoint. He's only thinking about how am I going to, what is the type of content that I'm going to get these people to subscribe to? And a lot of that is just shocking type of content, you know? Yeah. And so he does that. And then he also knows, I was like, anybody who's doing that knows just how much, porn is digested on the internet right like it's probably the most searched thing on the internet or one of the most searched things i I think it is i think it's like it is actually it is yeah so from a brand standpoint it's like why wouldn't he and he's got an internet brand right i was like why wouldn't he he because he doesn't he's not trying to win the moral police with his show right right it's kind of he's kind of like selling what Barstool Sports sells. Right. Like he is the representation of what that brand represents. Is totally. What, 
Totally. But but you know that for someone to actually create that and be that consistent at it, that his his guest list too though he it was it was impressive. I mean, I saw he had Ben Shapiro on there, which was a really interesting choice. You know, not somebody you would typically expect. Yeah, I think he's also he's very smart in how he maneuvers. Yeah, because he will. I think he knew what he was doing with like, this is the type of guy that I think he is. And I don't even knock it so much because he's a product of what the system values, right? Mm -hmm. Is like that, that thing that he did in Japan that made him more famous than anything he's ever done. So when he probably was in that moment, he's probably like just thinking as a creator, like, I know videotaping this is going to be interesting to a lot of people, right? Yeah. And he probably didn't think about, oh, there's a moral dilemma or a moral problem. He only thought about it from the capitalization standpoint. Then afterwards, one thing I've given, I've seen as I studied him is that he's always willing to kind of apologize and take that role of, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. give any offense. Yeah, totally. But it's uh it's 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 interesting. It's very yeah. interesting. It is really interesting. I think I smart. really appreciate Yeah. Yeah, well I, I was going to say I really appreciate just, you know, another two young guys from Ohio doing really well. It's always nice to see. Yeah, they're from uh they're from Westlake, Ohio, and I think that um look, man, we all need to understand sometimes how to I think this reality culture has made us think of this YouTube stuff. It's almost like it's acting, right? If we looked at it yeah. through that lens and so long as he's not like physically doing harm and beating people up without getting release forms or any of that, like you don't have to digest it if you don't want to digest it. Let the people yeah. who want to digest it enjoy it. You know, yeah. that's kind of how I view all of that stuff. Totally. Yeah, totally. Well, man, I think that brings an end to our news and notes for this week. This has been an awesome week. We have a interview coming out. Uh, are we splitting the episode this week, V? I don't think we're going to. We may. Okay. We so may we're gonna surprise. we're gonna probably split the episode into two parts from here on out. So you guys are gonna get a news and notes and college football as an episode, and then the interviews that we do, just because they tend to kind of drift off into longer conversations. We wanted to just separate those and put those in, in different episodes. Uh, so you guys don't have to fast forward through the first half. If you don't like that, if you want to just listen to the interviews or vice versa. Yes. Yes, definitely. That way you can digest the content that you want. So if there's anything else that, you know, you, you like that we're doing, or you don't like that we're doing, or if you have a huge issue with us splitting this up, uh, tweet us. We'd love to hear from you guys. We had, uh, a few people tweet us this last week. That was really fun. We had actually one one hater, which was awesome. <laughs> the hater was TikTok great. about that. No, speaking of TikTok, though, uh, we got to tell people the the people the TikTok story, right? So the boys got TikTok, and we have a competition going on as to who can get more followers before the end of the year. I'm at Partha Unova on TikTok. V is at Pilot Boy V, and we are basically just posting every single day. So I've tried, you know, 12 different posts. 
and V comes on his first post. He just puts up a photo of him with short hair and literally just says on the screen in the most monotone voice ever. I used to have short hair. Now it's longer. I think I like the longer hair. 27 <laughs> likes and 500 views immediately. I thought it might have just been like uh, they do that to everyone to keep them on the platform. But I guess I guess I hit I hit a home run on the first 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 shot. Unbelievable. It's anyway, inter it's interesting. Let's check that uh, on TikTok and let's see who wins the race. The uh, the loser is buying a pair of shoes for the winner. Yeah, yep. And 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 for the audience, we've got to figure out how does this start. Is it did it start from the day that I got on or from the total follower count? Total follower count. You got it. <laughs> I got a little bit of a head start, so but let's, if I win by like only twenty, then we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna count those. Okay, we can count them. We can count them. I was at twenty three before you got on. Okay, okay. now I'm at twenty eight. Nice. I have three followers, but my vi we gotta figure out a way to balance this. I'm yeah. one of your followers. I know. I got two. <laughs> I got two two others. We're gonna we're gonna see what this TikTok thing is about. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this has been News and Notes. Look forward to our interview episode, which will come out separately. And it is with Swish Gaswami, one of my OG homies. Uh, he is in the sports, uh, kind of sports world, really influencer marketing world, runs an awesome software company from Canada. Uh, he's basically the mayor of Toronto. Really cool guy. So check that episode out if you're interested in that. Otherwise, uh, you... Damn, V. You guys uh, like it. The other, the, the other thing is that I like about him is he's had a very interesting life in which he's lived in a lot of different places, right? He's And how that's kind of impacted who he is is interesting, an interesting part of his story yeah. to me as well. So I'm looking forward to digging into that too. Totally. All right. That's, that's it for news and notes. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. That's all we have for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Always remember, be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out. Pilot Boys, we get on now.